You're listening to Mapleview Community Church Podcast. Well, it's great to be back with you. And your theme for this year is wind and fire. Last week I spoke on the wind. I spoke about uh, completing the Great Commission by catching the wind of the Spirit. This week I'm going to focus in on fire. And, uh, you know, Pastor Jay is on sabbatical. He'll come back. Uh, Pastor Mark Hazard and I have taken on these subjects and uh, been pretty direct. I remember Pastor Mark, I listened to a sermon on Ananias and Sapphira and how the Holy Spirit uh, dealt with them in those early days of the church. And my message today might be kind of in the same line, but uh, you're going to come out of here alive, okay? Just, Just giving you that reassurance, okay? I'm going to pray. Lord, help me as I proclaim your word. May it be from your heart that it be true, that it be applicable, that we would leave on fire for you, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning I'm speaking on the subject getting on fire for God or staying on fire for God, depending on where you're at. I was with a friend in Dallas this week. And uh, he's a great friend. We've been friends since we were 10 years old in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, He now lives in Dallas. He's a psychologist. He's got two PhDs in psychology. He's a bit of a brainy guy, except when he was 10 and a teenager, when we were together back in Hamilton, he was a rascal. And uh, he really didn't take God seriously or the church seriously and got in lots of trouble. But I'll tell you, when I was staying in their home this week, he was on fire. And he told me how excited he is every day to go to work where he gets to be with people with schizophrenia, um, with other issues as well, and, and how he's able to counsel them, pray with them for their healing, and develop a, a real relationship with them where he can just love on them from the love of God. And I was excited to see how excited he was in serving God. He's on fire for God. How on fire are you this morning? Were you excited to get up this morning and, and be with him early and get to Maple View on time through the snow? Um, I hope you were excited. Uh, between the numbers of 1 and 10, now where are you on the dial, <laughs> on the thermostat? 10? Uh, Boy, it'd be great if all of us were 10. I'm not sure I'm 10 yet. I've, I got to work up to that still. How on fire are you? Are you at seven, five, or under? I hope not, but if you are, this is the day for you to turn up the thermostat and get some heat happening. When I was preparing this message, I was actually in the basement of my brother-in-law's, and behind me was a, uh, a fireplace, and it was cold down there, and I turned on the fireplace, but it wasn't hot enough, and I turned it up again. I think I did it four times to get it hot enough for that room. I would say today that the Lord wants to heat up your life. He wants you to be on fire for him. It's the call of God. Let me share that with you. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 5. It's the greatest commandment, and Jesus repeats this commandment in the New Testament. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Notice all. All in That's what we're supposed to be doing in life, loving God with everything. 
What, is the, what are the characteristics of somebody who's on fire for God? Well, they've got compassion. And Jesus is our model. He had the Holy Spirit upon him in his ministry. And what characterized him? Well, one is compassion. Matthew chapter 9, verse 36. When he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion for them because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. The word for compassion here in the Greek is the, the most strongest word you can find for compassion. It, it means literally from the, from the gut, from the intestines. I mean, from your innards, you are compassionate. You love people and you want to help people. And then there's a person who's on fire for God is delighted to be with God, wants to spend time with him. Uh, King Jehoshaphat, it says of him in 2 Chronicles 17, verse 7, and his heart took delight in the ways of the Lord. Psalm 37, 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and he delights in his way. Psalm 112, verse 1, Blessed is the man who fears the Lord, who delights greatly in his commandments. And if you were, you listened to the worship this morning, but I hope you did more than listen. I hope you entered in, that you delighted in the presence of God because he, he is present in the, he's, his throne is on the praises of his people. He is here today. Where two or three are gathered in his name, he is here. Or, or did you delight in that time of worship? Did you enter in or were you, a, were you a spectator? You need to be all in. Another characteristic of somebody who has passion for God, fire for God, is joy. 1 Peter 1.6. Listen to this. It's so important for us to understand this. If you're going through a hard time, listen to this. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to, pray, to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ, whom having not seen you love, you know, God is invisible, but having not seen you love, Though now you do not see him, yet believing, you rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. So that's what a person who loves God, on fire for God, looks like. But let me share a caution with you, because it's so easy to let the fire for God burn out. He warns the children of Israel... In Deuteronomy chapter 6, it's the same passage where he said, you should love the Lord with everything. He says in verse 10 of that chapter, So it shall be when the Lord your God brings you into the land which he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a large and beautiful cities and which you did not build, and houses full of all good things which you did not fill, hewn out wells which you did not dig, vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant. When you have eaten and are full, then beware. Caution, beware lest you forget the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. How easily you and I can forget God. How does God feel about our forgetting him? Well, it's about how we feel, if we're a husband or a wife, about our spouse who might forget us, might not even want to be with us. And Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 24 says, For the Lord your God is a consuming fire, a jealous God, a jealous God. Why is he jealous? Because he is our husband. 
And we are the bride of Christ. And God understands anyone who wanders away from him and goes after other loves, other passions, greater than your passion for him, he considers that spiritual adultery. You see, we have a marriage relationship with God. The book of Hosea is a story about a husband who pursues relentlessly his wife who has gone off to chase other lovers. But it's really a story about God pursuing his people who have run after other passions and have forgotten him. We read this in Hosea chapter 2, verse 19 and 20. I will betroth you to me forever. Yes, I will betroth you to me in righteousness and justice and loving kindness and mercy. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. Here we have clearly a relationship between our heavenly father and us. He's our husband. We are the bride. And then if you read the book of Hosea, you see how his bride wandered off, prostituted herself. And yet God continually pursued her to bring her back into that relationship of love and intimacy. It's interesting that the word jealous in the Hebrew kinah is often translated as zealous. To be zealous is to be on fire for something. And then in the New Testament, the word is, the Greek word is zealous. It's where we get the word zeal from. And literally, it means to be hot or to burn. And we have that, the adjective of that same Greek word in Titus chapter 2, verse 13 and 14. Here it says, speaking of our great and God and Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Zealous for good works. The Old Testament tells us about a man who was zealous for God. Numbers 25.10, then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron, the priest, has turned back my wrath from the children of Israel because he was zealous with my zeal among them so that I did not consume the children of Israel in my zeal. Aren't you glad, glad that God is gracious and mercy is slow to anger? He has every right to destroy us because so many of us have worshipped created things rather than our creator. We've not thanked him. We've not given him the praise he is due. And I say all of this to make the point that God passionately loves you and me, but God also expects us to have that same kind of passion for him, to love him with all our heart, with all our soul, and with all our strength. We're to be on fire for God. Jesus warned us concerning the last days, and this is the caution that I present, 24, Matthew 24, verse 12 and following says, and because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. This is Jesus prophesying concerning the last days. What will it be characterized by? And we see other passages as well in Thessalonians and Titus concerning the last days. He's saying, because of lawlessness... The love of many will grow cold. I hope that's not your characteristic today. Although you did come in from the cold, but you were hot for God inside, even if the outside circumstances were cold. I've talked about our calling to be on fire for God. I've raised some cautions to be, beware of what happens to a person who loses his fire for God 
Now I'm going to point out what causes our fire to go out sometimes. And then I'm going to get to some good, good news at the end. But it's important that I present the whole counsel of God, that we listen to the word of God no matter what it says. Here are some causes for our fire to go out. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3, verse 5, Therefore put to death the members which are your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. Paul says covetousness is idolatry. Worshiping false gods instead of one true God is spiritual adultery, as I said, and our God will not tolerate his bride being more on fire for created things than the creator himself. One of the Ten Commandments is thou shalt not covet. Now, the Greek word covetousness in the New Testament, in the verse I just read, is, is um, defined by a number of scholars in different ways. One scholar says this word means to desire to have more things than he needs. Another scholar defines covetousness as a strong desire to acquire more and more material possessions or to possess more things than other people have. Not only to keep up with the Joneses, but to be ahead of the Joneses. Perhaps materialism is the greatest competitor to our love for God. Perhaps you've said, oh, I love that. And you're talking about your iPhone or your MetaQuest or your new condo on the lake or your new Chevrolet Silverado. First John 2.15 says, do not love the world or the things of the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Worldliness can steal our fire. But not only does our passion for material things of this world compete with our passion for God, but sometimes our love for certain people, and we're to love people, but sometimes our love for, for people can supersede the love we're to have for God. Jesus says these words in Matthew 10, verse 37. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And then there's another thing that causes our fire for God to fade, and that's our hot pursuit of physical pleasure. Ephesians 4, 17 and verse 19 says this, I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. And then verse 19, who being past feeling have given themselves to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. This verse, verse 19, the last verse I just read from the message version goes like this. They can't think straight anymore, feeling no pain. They let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. The New Living Translation says it this way. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasure and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. If you pursue physical pleasure more than delighting in God, then your fire for God is quickly being quenched. In the New Testament, in Jude 7, we read about what God said concerning Sodom and Gomorrah, who definitely had sexual pleasure as their God. And it says there that they gave themselves over to sexual immorality and have gone after strange flesh and are set forth as an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. 
If you're having sex with somebody outside of marriage, stop it. If you're involved in an alternative lifestyle, stop it. If you're addicted to porn, stop it. Stop any pursuit of physical pleasure that is outside of God's boundaries, out of his borders. Paul says that it is better to marry than to burn with passion. Fire is wonderful when it's burning in a fireplace, but when the fire is not contained in its proper place, it can burn a whole city block to ashes. And if you pursue sexual pleasure outside of the fireplace of marriage between a man and a woman, your life is in danger. I'm only saying what the Bible teaches. If you don't contain your passion for physical pleasure, it will lead you, ultimately, if you never change, to hell. It's in the Bible. But already now, you can experience the judgment of God. What happens? You are past feeling, it says in our text in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 19. Past feeling as in your conscience doesn't bother you anymore. Your conscience has been seared with a hot iron. You're numb to these things. It doesn't bother you to sin. So I've talked about our calling to be on fire for God. I've talked about Jesus' caution about those who allow their love for God to grow cold. And I've pointed out some causes for our lack of fire for God. And let me just tell you now, for the rest of my message, the things that we can do to get our fire red hot and stay that way. Number one, we should repent. We read these verses. Jesus is speaking to a church in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. You have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the first works. Repent means to turn around and go back the other way. If you're born again, you've experienced the transformation of your life, your new creation, and you had a passionate love for God at the beginning, and you don't now, turn around, go back to where you were. That's what Jesus is saying to us. It means forsaking all other competing loves. And if you do that, you're going to find the fire of God, the love for him, return. Number two, this is radical. Put to death some things. Going back to Colossians 3, 5, it says, Therefore put to death your members which are on the earth, fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. In Acts chapter 19, we read about Paul going to Ephesus, and he preaches there for three months, and he's preaching the kingdom of God, how to live for God. And powerful things happened. Many opposed him, but then there were others who heard his message, and they did something radical. Listen to this. In verse 19 of that chapter, also many of those who had practiced magic brought their books together and burned them in the sight of all. I've heard of uh, burning or ceremonies in churches or at youth camps where people bring their magazines or their books that they know is taking them away from God and they have a public burning. Maybe we should do more of that. Maybe not in the church, maybe just outside the building a little bit. A great big bonfire. Invite everybody to bring that stuff and burn it. Get radical. 
If you're really saved, you're going to get radical. You're not going to let anything that could cause your fire for God to go out. On a daily basis, you're going to ask God to help you kill those ungodly passions. You're going to ask God to help you burn up those books, those apps, those videos, those podcasts, those games that compete for your attention. And those things that you're being obsessed with, things that you're obsessed with rather than obsessed with God. Moses got radical when it came to dealing with his fellow children of Israel. You see, they had melted down their precious things, and they made a golden calf while Moses was up in the mountain receiving the word of the Lord. Moses came down and discovered what had happened, and this is what we read in Exodus chapter 32, verse 20 and following. Then he took the calf which they had made, burned it in the fire, and ground it to powder, and he scattered it on the water and made the children of Israel drink it. (laughs) That's getting radical with sin. But some of us need to get radical, need to put to death these things that are taking us, taking us away from God. So we need to repent. We need to put to death the things that are taking us away from God. Number three, we need to get help from other people. We need to enlist our trusted fellow believers to help us, people who will pray with us. He will keep confidences, and because they do, you're you're transparent enough to confess your sins to them, as James tells us we're to do. It's where you can become accountable to one another. You can ask the hard questions every once in a while. How are you doing in this area? You told me you're struggling there. How are you doing now? If we keep that, we're going to see the fire for God keep burning. Hebrews chapter 10 says this. Verse 24 and 25, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. What is this day approaching? It's the day of the Lord. It's the day of judgment when Jesus returns as the judge of all the earth. Will we be ready? Will we be the bride without spot and wrinkle? When our bridegroom comes for us. What's a key? Don't forget coming to Mapleview. <laughs> coming to your congregation. Don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. And get into small groups where you can have those more intimate relationships. Where you can confess your sins one to another. Be accountable to one another. Encourage one another. Exhort one another. Caution one another when it's necessary. This is what the Bible's teaching us. It's a key to keeping the fire of God burning. There are other keys. Real quick, you need to have a life of prayer. I recommend that every morning you get up a little earlier and seek the face of the Lord if you're not doing it yet. Listen to this, Exodus chapter 30, verse 7. speaks of Aaron, the high priest, and we are all priests unto God, Peter tells us. In Exodus 30, verse 7, it says, Aaron shall burn on it, that is the altar of incense, sweet incense every morning. When he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. Every morning, it says. This is symbolic of prayer. That's what the altar of incense was all about. And the smoke rising to God, our prayers going up. In Revelation, we see that that's what it really means. We need to get up. I'm not saying it has to be in the morning, but it has to be sometime in the day where we dedicate some time to just pray, seek God's face, and also listen to his voice. It's a two-way communication. 
James 4, 8 says this, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. So if we draw near to God in prayer and worship, we'll come into an intimate relationship with him. He will draw near to us. And what happens when he draws near to us, the psalmist says, in his presence is fullness of joy. In his presence is fullness of delight. In his presence, we start taking on characteristics of the people we spend the most time with. And then there's spending time in God's word. After Jesus rose from the dead, he went for a walk from Jerusalem to Emmaus. And he was walking with two men. At first, they didn't recognize him. But then later, they looked back at that occasion when they had met Jesus, and they said this. And they said to one another, the text says, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us on the road and while he opened the scriptures to us? Their hearts burned within them when he explained the scriptures to them. Are you in the word and understanding the word, applying the word? You're going to find there's going to be a burning within you and a desire for God and to serve God. That's what happens. Psalm 119, and this speaks to young people. Verse 9 and following, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me not wander from your commandments. Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'm coming to the end of my message now. I believe the greatest key to staying on fire for God is staying filled with the Holy Spirit. Going back to the day of Pentecost, Acts chapter 2, and verse 3, it says, Then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. Fire that sat upon each of them. It was the Holy Spirit invading their upper room, setting them on fire for God. Paul says in Romans chapter 5, verse 5, the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who, has, who was given to us. You can't conjure up love for God, fire for God. It's the Holy Spirit that causes that fire to burn within you. The opposite of this love of God are listed a few verses earlier. It talks about the works of the flesh, which include adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, revelries, and the like. All of these things are the opposite of what happens when the Holy Spirit produces his, his fruit of love in our hearts. In that same chapter... We get a whole list of the fruit of the Spirit. And the first one is love. And I think all the rest of them are actually just expressions, different aspects of love. It's the Holy Spirit's fruit that grows within us. So I finish with this verse. Ephesians 5, verses 15 to 18. So then, you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. How many would say the days are evil? Anybody out there? couple of people, little hand went up like that. I think we're in evil days. Anybody else want to put their hand up and agree with me here? Okay, now we got more hands. All right. I manipulated you to say that. Okay. The days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Do not be drunk with wine, 
which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. I shared that verse last week, and I said, in the Greek, it literally is, keep on being filled with the Spirit. If your fire is going out, keep on being filled with the Spirit. How do you do that? You ask for the Holy Spirit every day. Fill me afresh. We are leaky buckets, and we need a fresh infilling of the Spirit from the tap (laughs) of the Spirit to flow in and through us each day. If we'll do that, we're going to be passionately in love with God and with other people. And he's going to be glorified. He will be pleased. And ultimately, that's what our life is all about, to please him, our creator, our Savior and Lord. Lord, I pray that we would take these words, apply them to our lives, that we would be on fire for you, and that will never fade away. Amen and amen. God bless you. You're listening to Maple View Community Church Podcast. Music